Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing just great today. Awesome. Awesome. I hear we're talking about a big number, the, the speed limit in so many locations, 55. Why are we talking about the speed limit today? <laughs> well, it's not only what is now becoming an antiquated speed limit, thank God. Exactly. Uh, I, know, I, know, I, right? just, I, I just passed that milestone myself, and it did get me thinking about um, when other people are at that spot. You know, that is uh, not only a milestone uh, that we are trying to get through psychologically, right? But mm -hmm. it's also a time when a lot of people, through that reflection, start thinking, oh my God, I've got only a few years left before retirement. Uh, what do I do? Uh, yeah. So it's, it is quite a milestone for many people from not only a lifetime perspective, but uh, a financial planning perspective. So that's why we're talking about today. Yeah, that 10-year time frame. I mean, that's that's a very concrete way to think about things. It's, you know, you can't think seven years, 11 years, you know, you got 10 years left that, I mean, that kind of puts things in perspective because then you start to reflect on what did I do with the last 10 years? <laughs> and I don't know about anybody else, but I have a hard time remembering what the last 10 years looked like. Yeah. You know, for most of the people that I talk to that are, you know, 55 or give or take, uh, uh, that last 10 years has been spent, uh, getting their kids through college yeah, or recovering from that. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that is, why we were now reflecting and taking a break moving forward type of thing. But, you know, you made a comment there about 10 years, and that is a common misunderstanding that people have. Because if you're just turning 55 now, uh, your standard retirement age by Social Security uh, isn't 10 years down the road. It's, uh, it's 67. You've got 12 more years of runtime if you're waiting for Social Security to be the so 12 years, I mean, that's, uh, again, it's it's hard to think about, but you're right. 67, I, I didn't think about that being a retirement age. I think most people think 65, right? I don't, I don't know if that used to be the retirement age, and that's what is stuck in people's heads, but 67 is truly the, the first opportunity, correct, to, to take Social Security? Well, it's not the first opportunity to take Social Security, but that's when you have your full Social Security benefit. That's right. Uh, you know, and... Like much of what we're going to talk about today, that 65 as what the magic date is for retirement uh, used to be accurate, but times have changed. Uh, and I believe that financial advisory and the whole retirement planning uh, for the younger people, uh, calling myself younger at this point, you know, has not kept pace with that change. They keep telling the same stories, keep giving the same approaches that were designed back in the 1980s, back when 65 was the retirement age uh, for full payment on your Social Security. But if you're 55 now, you know, the rules that applied uh, throughout the retirement planning era for people that retired before you just simply don't apply to you. And you've got to make some adjustments now. So for those, I mean, you mentioned earlier, this is kind of the milestone where a lot of people are getting their kids through college there. You know, this, this is also probably the time when people are getting close to paying down their house completely. 
um, depending on how long they've been living there. But that's about a 30-year time frame if they you know, purchased in when they were on 25, 26, or, or 30. They're approaching those last few years if they had a 30-year mortgage. That's a lot of different things coming up that hopefully, I mean, we cross our fingers, are going to take a lot of payments off their plate, right? A little bit more debt has been relieved. What should they be focusing on now? Well, you know, let's talk about the the common profile I see of people that come in in their mid-50s, right? They've now got themselves to a spot where they have stabilized their career. They're they're, uh, statistically in their highest earning years, uh, other than, you know, COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But but those people tend to be, again, in their highest earning years. They have, by and large, gotten through that major expenditure one way or the other, getting their kids through college. College. Unfortunately, many of them are coming out of that with some debt related to that college. And um, you made an interesting point there about them being you know, nearing the payment of their mortgage and all that stuff based upon a 30 year mortgage. And again, that was something that might have been true back in the 80s, maybe even the 90s. But when you think about all the the societal upheaval that we've had for the last two decades and just the change of things. One, uh, many people got caught in the refinance frenzy mm. uh, through their savings years. Uh, and so whereas their parents were, were through their mortgage at their mid-50s, late-50s, they still got 10, 15 years that they got to get knocked off, right? And the other, uh, if you didn't do that, then a lot of people that I talked to kind of fell into the trap of the McMansion, uh, where and they upsize sometime in their you know mid thirties uh, to four thousand square foot McMansion in the burbs, uh, and so they got that that they got to take care of and figure out whether they're going to move forward in that home or downsize, right? So the, uh, the, the mid-50s picture is a lot different than it was for somebody in their mid-50s back in the 80s or 90s. Mm. And, and I think people in the mid-50s are in, kind of included in that sandwich generation too, where now they have aging parents and maybe, maybe a couple grandkids uh, you know, at that point as well. And so there's a lot of people that they're trying to help and maybe take care of. So that, that's got to play a big part too. You know, it. Uh, I, I see a lot of that. I, I see the people in their mid fifties. I can. I'm talking about my family. You know, my parents are are uh, still around. I'm blessed that way. But there are the the things that you have to do to help them, and you got to help your kids and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, the, that sandwich generation can be very destructive. Uh, I've seen clients that are kind of bleeding money on both ends as mm-hmm. they are helping their fam- their parents and they're helping their kids and uh, they're trying to figure out, hey, wh- what do I do about myself? What's that future look like? Yeah. So what do they do? That's, that's, that's the reason for a call or a conversation, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it is a time when taking into consideration that you are in that final, call it one-third of your earnings life, right? Uh, that you do need to take a step back and take this opportunity to design not only what your retirement looks like, but what the next phase of your earning life looks like. 
Uh, and and I, I always coach my clients uh, to take this time now uh, as you've met so many of your obligations along the way. You still have some more to take care of, but take this time now to make yourself a priority uh, and think about what you want. Because so many of my clients that come into me at this phase of their life have been thinking about everybody else but themselves for the last 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? I mean, you, you, you can say, concentrate on yourself, take a look at what you want and or need, but what should they truly be looking at? Um, I mean, obviously it's individualized, but I think most people would answer, I want security for myself, right? I want, you know, I still want to be able to help my parents if need be. I still want to help my kids if need be, but at the same time, I need that security and I don't want to have to work until I'm 80. Yeah. Part of that is as many people come in at their mid fifties saying, I, I want to get off the rat race at 50, 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ones also say they won't be off at 60. So it's, you know, there's no difference there, but many others, you know, say, you know, I, I don't see myself uh, I don't feel as old as I envisioned I would feel when I was 55, right? Hmm. Uh, and, and I've got no desire to stop contributing one way or the other, whether that is through work or through charitable you know, activities, those type of things. So, you know, part of the coaching is if you are focused on a deadline, that I'm going to get out of here at this point in time, five years, what have you, uh, 10 years, then we focus energy one way. But if our focus is, no, I I, I enjoy contributing. I still want to work. I recognize some of these economic realities that are out there that are going to kind of force me to stay working. So it's an opportunity then to kind of Say, okay, for this next phase of your life, what does work look like for you? Because, you know, you're, and when you're at that spot, you are in a uh, kind of the uh, sweet spot uh, mm-hmm. in the current, in current uh, employment workforce. You know, you're experienced, you're established. Uh, you've like I said you're in your prime earning years, but maybe you don't need to make that same amount of money going forward. Uh, and, and by shifting gears, taking something that is more rewarding and maybe not as financially rewarding, then you're able to contemplate you know, working longer uh, and, and contributing longer. So it it all comes back to trying to get that firm picture of what you want to do uh, for this next phase where you are in your earning years. All right. So Greg, for those that want to you know, they, they've kind of had that vision with you. They're walking through it. They've got some goals and they want to take these next 10 to 12 years, whatever that looks like for them personally, to really finish strong, finish their career strong, finish what they're doing, or even make that fundamental shift. Like you said, how do you help them accomplish that? Well, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that middle zone, right? We have the people that want to really 
get out real quick, people that want to stay in a long time. But for the people that we want to, we want to plan on 67, we want to take advantage of these 10 to 12 years, how do we approach those the right way? Well, first thing we need to do is we need to recognize uh, some of the mistakes that people make that we don't want to make if we're in that spot. First and foremost on that is procrastinating in doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, The time is not on our side at this point. Uh, We do need to act and act now uh, so that we are able to get things rolling. Secondly, another thing that I see a lot of people do when they are saying to themselves, all right, this is my last opportunity to really save for retirement. I am going to throw as much money as I can into my 401ks. So they take advantage of these enhancements that you're able to, to get after 55 and a half to throw a lot of money into mm-hmm. their 401ks. And for many people that I speak with, uh, that is absolutely the wrong direction to go. And yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit really? more. All right. Yeah. Um, the, just in a nutshell, as we've talked about before, one of my primary contentions is that the whole idea that tax deferred savings is the mantra and the way to go is skewed and wrong uh, mm-hmm. for for where we are now. It was it was right back in the 1980s, uh, maybe into the 90s, and maybe even into the 2000s. But where we are now just is building a big tax trap for them for their future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, while we are in an era of of basically historically low tax rates for for the next five years, uh, it makes zero sense to me to build more uh, debt and taxation for the future. Uh, and so that's what super funding the 401k is basically doing for people is uh, it's putting more uh, money at risk, Uncle Sam grabbing it down the road. So that's a, that's a big, big mistake that I think many people don't really think about. Um, I'm not saying they shouldn't be saving money, uh, more money than they are, but they need to be mindful of where they're saving it. Now, I mean, obviously, when you're talking about a 401k, that's retirement within, you know, your workplace. If your employer is matching, do you still advocate that they at least contribute up to the match? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's take whatever free money we can get. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, along that same line, uh, many times when we are, are looking at what is this 10 year vision plan, we're just me- making the two up to the match and nothing past that, mm-hmm. uh, able to put money in elsewhere. And, and elsewhere, are you specifically talking about a Roth because of the, you're paying taxes up front? Um, I, I've heard the analogy, you know, paying on the acorn, not the oak kind of thing. Are you suggesting a Roth or are there other strategies that people should be exploring? Uh, Roth is definitely one of the strategies, but it's limited uh, in the amount that you can set aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we use Roth strategies. We use traditional brokerage account strategies. Uh, some some clients use, you know, rental properties, those type of things oh, yeah. okay. as their other investing vehicles for the future. Uh, and sometimes we use permanent life insurance that can grow in a, a steady fashion for people to provide tax-free income down the road. So, you know, there, there are many different uh, solutions. And, and I'll candor, that's one of the reasons why I have painstakingly developed and refined over the years my pilot process, which is designed to bring people in at whatever phase of their life they are currently in and make sure that they are 
timely apprised of opportunities that are out there in terms of changes and strategies mm-hmm. uh, so that the you know the plan is always future looking uh, and, and being changed along the way uh, and so when we talk about changing our, our saving strategy in that last 10 to 12 years uh, we are very mindful of taxation so that's that's a big problem that people make you know another big problem that people make when they're at that age is that they automatically think, okay, you know, I got the kids through college, I've got house is somewhat paid or even paid off, and I don't have any need for insurance, and that's, that's if they've even bought their own permanent insurance, uh, so they start cutting that out of their budget, mm. uh, and those type of things can really have bad ramifications down the road, so that's another mistake that people commonly make when they're looking at that final 12 uh, years. Yeah, and I, I think that maybe should people be shifting their thinking as far as the type of insurance? Because I know when I was younger and I know a lot of people do this when they, when you first start a family, you get simple term insurance. that's going to cover just in case because it's cheaper. You, you know, you're not making as much money when you're younger. Should they be thinking about if whatever insurance they have is coming to that, to that head where it's either going to be canceled or maybe it was term originally, should they be looking at just different types of insurance? I never like to have my clients take an insurance premium into retirement with them. Hmm. But when the, the, the flip side of that is uh, when we have the ability to pay a fully paid up whole uh, life or index universal life type policy in this window, then you know, we have some very significant benefits that can be down the road. So again, at this window of time, when we're in that last 10-year mark, we do tend to look at, okay, uh, really, is term insurance really uh, worth it anymore? Because what what did we buy that for? We bought that to get the kids through college. Mm-hmm. We got the, got the house, whatever. But now we need to look at it more as a tool for us than for others. Got it. Uh, so, uh, and, and that kind of fits into, you know, as, as we look at budgeting strategies uh, at this point in our life, trying to figure things out, do see a lot of people that come in, like we talked about earlier, they've got some of their kids' student loan debt that they're carrying. They have mortgage that they're carrying. They have car loans they're carrying and maybe some other uh, consumer debt, and they want to get that taken care of uh, with the vision that they want to be debt-free in retirement. And one of the mistakes that I see people make is they go into that goal without having a strong uh, philosophy and a process in place to do that effectively and efficiently. So well, they, end up, yeah. they end up throwing away a lot of money. Well, and that was actually my next question because I, I've heard both sides of the coin. We were talking about mortgages earlier. I've heard both sides of the coin. And especially right now, I, I know there's a lot of people going through refinancing uh, with their with their mortgages because of the low interest rates, which I think is a fantastic idea personally. I mean, I'd love to hear your comment, obviously, because you're the professional, but I, I know that that's a, a thing that a lot of people are doing. But I've also heard people say, do not try to pay off your mortgage before you get into retirement because the, the interest rates are so low, it doesn't make sense to pour all this money when the, that money could be going to something else. What are your thoughts on that? It's another example of how marketing and a certain perspective has really skewed common sense. All right. So you've got a mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and without asking you specific numbers, obviously, but 
you know, when you when you first got that that mortgage on the house and you looked at the statement that said, uh, <laughs> "This is the payment." Yep. This is the amount that went to interest. This is the amount that went to principal. What did that feel like? Oh, a punch in the gut is what that felt like. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Uh, barely anything is going toward my principal. It was terrible. Right, right. So, like 90, 90 plus percent, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. insane. Yeah, so if if you're sitting here in your 50s uh, and you're looking at eventually getting out of debt, what sense does it make, even with the low interest rates, to sign up for a 15-year mortgage or a 10 or a 20 or even 30-year mortgage at that point in time, where you're now going to go back from paying maybe uh, 60, 70 percent toward principal to going back now to paying 10 percent toward principal? You know, when there, mm. when there are other strategies out there that can get you to that finish line. Now, it does make some sense if we're uh, paying a high cost through the uh, uh, rate of uh, interest that's paid, but we have to be mindful of the percentage of the payment that goes towards the actual debt reduction. And people don't lose, don't don't track that. They just look at the annual percentage rate uh, for that or their credit cards, uh, and they are on that treadmill where compounding is working against them instead of working for them. Hmm. Uh, and, and through some of our processes, we're able to kind of uh, spin the tables on that, uh, where we are now getting the power of compound interest working in our favor as opposed to us working against it. Uh, and through those type of processes, making better decisions on how we're going to get debt-free in this uh, era of our life, we can end up in a, a tremendously better p- position at the tail end of that. Sounds good to me. Sounds like a subject for another day. Absolutely. Yes, it does. What else do we need to cover today for the uh, 55 and older crowd? So when we start again, uh, we're there at this point where they really need to start by having that, that conversation, if they're a couple, right, uh, mm-hmm. of laying out that vision for themselves, taking the space to work through that, whether that is by themselves or, you know, through conversations with, uh, you know, a financial coach like myself that can help work them through some of the things they haven't thought about. But we got to start with that vision. Uh, and then based upon that vision, we, we now need to get that snapshot of where they are and, I've seen a lot of people that have tried to do that themselves, kind of the do-it-yourselfer that is, you know, going to their fidelity uh, modeling comp- of their future or any of these number of ones online mm-hmm. and, and think that that's an accurate picture of what their needs are. Well, uh, studies have shown repeatedly that those things are wildly inaccurate, not necessarily because of the way they're designed, but there's so many variables involved there. So mm-hmm. they have to get a snapshot of where they are now and a projection on that uh, that they can rely upon. Develop, kind of do that gap analysis on that. Uh, and then we, we now need to kind of start thinking differently about how to fill those gaps and get that last 12 years or what have you for your situation covered. All right. Well, if people want to start this process and just have this conversation with a with a good coach, how do they get a hold of you? Eric, uh, they can reach out to me at uh, my website. Uh, that's uh, DuPontWealth.com. You can email me directly, uh, Greg at DuPontWealth.com. Or they can give us a holler at uh, area code 614-408-0004. 
Greg, thank you so much for your time today. I know that, that this probably planted a few seeds of questions in people's minds, so I hope they reach out to you um, because, uh, again, that's a big chunk of time, 10 to 12 years, but as you and I were talking before the podcast, that that's nothing, right? 10 years, that, that gets you to that next phase, but most people's retirements after that are going to last another 25 to 30 years beyond that, so there's a lot of planning that needs to be done, so I'm hoping people are reaching out. Thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Thank you.